are listening to The Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 97. This is The Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At The Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should too. Well, hello everyone. How are you doing today? This day, 2017 Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. My name is Scott Wellens and I am your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people, that is you my friend, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor. In today's episodes, key questions for the long-term investor and being thankful you know the answer to these questions. But before we get to the topic of the day, I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And I hope we are all thankful for something. I, myself, I am thankful for my family, but I am, I'm also thankful for my health. Does anyone here know what ALS is? Because I didn't know what it was a few years ago. It is a progressive neurodegenerative disease that affects the nerve cells in your brain and the spinal cord. In essence, you lose the ability to move your muscles or your brain processing how you actually move. And so at the beginning, you might not be able to walk as well until it leads to not walking at all. At the beginning, you might not be able to move your arms arms very well until you can't at all. In the beginning, you may be able to breathe just fine and, and all of a sudden, breathing becomes difficult until you cannot breathe any longer. You know, it wasn't wasn't that long ago where I participated in the Ice Bucket Challenge to raise money on Facebook for people with ALS. And you know what? I didn't even know how horrible the disease was. I didn't even know what it was. And then it struck my aunt and it took her life a few months ago. And it struck my friend who is battling for his life as we speak, I went to a benefit for him the night before Thanksgiving in Cincinnati. And you know what? Showed me that there is some hope in the world. 600 people showed up to raise several hundred thousand dollars for this man and his family. And he got up and gave a speech, the speech which he developed and he wrote, because this ALS, it doesn't take away your mind. Your mind is always fully there. You just can't process to move your legs and move your arms, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this guy is way smarter than I'll ever be. He was a lawyer for young kids or is a lawyer for young kids. Very successful man, but I bet you any money that all the success that he has had in his life and all the wealth that he would that he has accumulated he'd push it all in the center of the table 
He'd push all the wealth in just to get a little bit more health back. He gave, though, this unbelievable speech that was computer-generated. So there was a computer voice that he was hitting record from a speech that he wrote. And he looked at everybody in the eyes, all 600 of us, and said, you know what, if ALS is going to strike any of us at all, I want it to be me. I want to take on this challenge. Just an unbelievable night, but let's, let's, through this weekend and through the rest of the year, and whenever you're listening to this podcast, let's be thankful for our health. Let's get to the topic of the day. All right, here we go. Key questions for the long-term investor and being thankful that you can answer these nine questions. Just another reason to be thankful in this season of Thanksgiving. I came up with nine questions that we all need to be satisfied in our mind that we can answer these questions with confidence. So let's get right to them. Number one is what sort of competition do I face as an investor? Meaning, if I want to look at stocks and bonds and want to find one that might be mispriced and buy one, what kind of competition is out there? Well, if we look at it, the market is an effective information processing machine. I mean, there are millions of market participants that buy and sell stocks every day. And the real-time information that comes in helps set the prices. When you look at a stock price, nobody knows the true intrinsic value, the true price of that stock. But these market forces, all of this buying and selling, back and forth, new information, different opinions, more trades, it's driving it towards that intrinsic value. And it's impossible to ever know what that intrinsic value is which means our closest guess on a fair price for a stock is the market price that it is today. I mean, my Lord, over $346 billion are trading hands during this 82 million plus trades per day. I mean, this means that competition is stiff and trying to outguess market prices is difficult for anyone, even money managers, which we'll talk about in question two. But there's there's good news for us, for, for investors, because rather than basing an investment strategy on trying to find securities or stocks that are priced incorrectly, we can instead rely on the information in market prices to help build portfolios. Let's use the power of the market to our advantage instead of trying to fight against it. Number two question, what are my chances of picking an investment fund that survives and outperforms? Well, it's as easy as this, flip a coin. Your your odds of getting heads or tails are 50%. I mean, it's it's 50-50. Historically, though, the odds of selecting an investment fund that'll even still be around 15 years in the future are about the same. 
Any fund that might have started this year, there's only a 50% chance it's even going to be around in 15 years, probably because it's fallen on its face. But regarding outperformance, outperforming the market indexes, your odds, well, they're even worse. The market's pricing power that we talked about number one it works against fund managers who try and outperform through stock picking just like it works against us as individuals trying to pick stocks trying to do market timing i mean we don't need to look any further than real world results to see this because when you look at all the mutual funds that existed on january 1st 2002 and then Which ones at the end of 2016, so a 15-year run, which ones actually beat the market? Which ones actually beat the indexes? How many of them? Well, it turns out on January 1st, 2002, there was 2,587 total stock funds. And only, I mean, you guys, listen, I can't make this stuff up. Only 451 of them actually beat the market, 17%. So you want to play the game? Do you want a 17% chance of beating the market? I don't think so. But it leads us right into number three. If, If I choose a fund because of strong past performance, does that mean it will do well in the future? The simple answer, my friends, is no. This is what I run into all the time because when you're looking at your 401k options, what do you look at? Because what do they want you to look at? Past performance. But that is, that's a horrible indicator about future performance. Because studies was done, were, have been done on this as well. And if we look at five-year rolling returns, so we look at a fund's five-year average. You see that all the time. The three-year, the one-year, the five-year, the 10-year average. We look at the five-year averages. And then we say, all right, I'm going to go with one of these funds. They've been doing great the last five years. What's the percentage that that particular fund will actually outperform the market the next year? It has been outperforming the market the previous five years. What are the chances it will next year? Well, when we look at these five-year rolling periods from 2007 to 2016, only 23% of these funds actually outperformed the next year. So with confidence, we can say that choosing a fund because of past performance does not mean it will do well in the future. It's not a good way to pick funds. Number four, do I have to outsmart the market to be a successful investor? Financial markets have rewarded long-term investors. We expect a positive return on our money because we're taking risk in the stock market. Some years they're going to be down, some years going to be up, but we expect a positive return. And when we look back, all the way back to 1926, if we had $1 invested then, In treasury bills, that $1 would be $21. If it was invested in long-term government bonds, the $1 would be $134. But if we had money in the stock market, if we had $1 in the stock market, the U.S. large cap stock market, at the end 
of 2016, that $1 is worth over $6,000. Have it in the U.S. small cap index, and that $1 is worth over $20,000. Now, that's just the index. It's not a specific investment that you can invest in. But uh, minus fees, that's where you would be. So do I have to outsmart the market to be a successful investor? No, not even close. You just need to be a market participant and not try to outguess the market. Use the power of the market. Number five, is there a better way to invest my portfolio? Well, what what do I mean by that? Well, academic research, and that's everything that I talk about on this show does not have to do with my opinion. It has to do with academic research of people, of doctors, folks that have their PhD that are way smarter than me. I'm just smart enough to know that I'm going to follow people like that and not somebody's opinion. But academic research has showed us that in the stock market, there are dimensions of higher expected return. So instead of just arranging our stock portfolio in the total stock market index or something like that, if we can look at these dimensions of higher return that I've talked about many, many, many times on past podcasts, we in the long run have a better chance for success. And these dimensions are making sure we have a quality tilt in small cap, a quality tilt in value, and a quality tilt in profitability. If you want to increase your chances of success in retirement, these are the dimensions of expected higher return that we want to make sure we're concentrating on. Number six is international investing for me. Well, I talk all the time about diversification and it helps. Why do I talk about it? Because it helps reduce risks that have no expected return whatsoever. There are risks that you take that are compensating risks and uncompensating risks. It's systematic and unsystematic risk. And we want to bleed out and not participate in risk that is not going to compensate us. So diversifying only within your home market. So if you live in the United States, only in the United States, it it might not be enough. Instead, global diversification can broaden your investment opportunities. And by holding a globally diversified portfolio that is tilted in small and value and profitability, investors, you and me, are well positioned to seek returns whenever they occur. Because when, when, when I talk about these, these dimensions of expected higher return, it's not like you see them every year. Heck, we're not seeing them in the U.S. right now in the small category or the value category because you don't. But that doesn't mean we run from them either because then when the return, when, the, when that excess return flows in and we're not tilted in the small and value anymore, we're not going to take advantage of these returns. All right, number seven question that I'm thankful that I know the answer to is this. Will making frequent changes to my portfolio help me achieve investment success? Man, it's tough. It's really, really tough. It's not impossible, 
but it's really, really tough to know which market segments will outperform from month to month, quarter to quarter, year to year, etc. It's tough to tell which segments. When I mean segments, I mean the U.S. large cap or the U.S. small cap or real estate or emerging markets or international large value. Which of these asset classes are going to be the winners this year? It is nearly impossible to figure that out. So accordingly, it's, it's way, way better to avoid market timing calls and other unnecessary changes that can be costly. Making trades are costly. Or simply allowing our emotions or our opinions or somebody else's opinions about short-term market conditions. It's just not a good idea. Because these, these short-term opinions or emotions... They have nothing to do with us being a long-term investor. I mean, these decisions, if we're going to make short-term decisions on our long-term money, this can lead to extremely disappointing results. And it can also lead you to other things like being unhealthy because you're just stressed out all the time thinking that you need to figure out the stock market or at least find the next guru that knows the stock market. I'm saying, no, you don't. Let that stuff go. All right, the number eight key question that I am thankful that I know the answer to is, should I make changes to my portfolio based on what I'm hearing in the news? Well, if you've been a long-time listener, you know not to listen to the news when it comes to your long-term money. Daily market news and commentary can challenge your investment discipline. They can throw you on an emotional roller coaster. Some messages will stir anxiety about the future, and others will, will tempt you to chase the latest investment fad. If headlines are unsettling, consider the source and try to maintain a long-term perspective. In other words, turn off the stinking news the moment you start getting stressed out about your long-term money. Because all these all these questions that I'm talking about that we that we now know the answer to, it would be very boring reporting on something like that every day in the market. I mean, if every day you turned on the news and they said something like, well, you should just maintain your long-term diversified strategy of a diversified global portfolio of stocks and bonds. And then the next day they say, well, what should we make of all this? Well, you should continue to hold on to your globally diversified Tilted categories of small value and profitability. Hold it for the long term. Don't do anything. I mean, the real investors in this world. Investing is like watching grass grow. Boring. Especially for the news because you know what? People are going to turn it off. People are going to turn off the news if every day they hear, well, you should continue to hold on to your globally diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds. They're gonna, people are going to turn the news off. So instead, what do they do? Oh, they say, you should consider selling now. Or you should consider putting a greater amount of your portfolio in technology stocks. 
and the list goes on and on. Here's the bottom line. I'll say it again when you're stressed out about your portfolio, your retirement, and you're listening to the news. Turn it off. I know I started the music, but I I have one more. I have one more. Question number nine that I'm thankful that I know the answer to is what should I be doing now? I mean, if I know all of these answers to these questions, what should I be doing? Well, first of all, you should be working closely with a financial advisor who can offer expertise and guidance to help you focus on actions that add value. Focusing on what you can control can lead to a better investment experience. And if you want to talk to somebody about it, you email me, scott at bestinwealth.com. Tell me that you want to talk love to have a conversation with you. If you're not going to call, that's fine too. You can concentrate on these five things. Number one, create an investment plan to fit your needs and risk tolerance. If you can't do it by yourself, call me. Number two, structure a portfolio along the dimensions of expected returns, like I talked about in another one of these questions. Number three, diversify globally. Number four, manage expenses, turnover, and taxes. And number five, stay disciplined through the market's dips and swings. If, if, if you can do these five things, if you really understand what I'm talking about on these five things, well, you might not need anybody. But if you don't exactly know what I'm talking about, if you're struggling a little bit, and it's very difficult to be objective about your own money. I want you to send me an email, scott at bestinwealth.com. Let's have a conversation today. And a couple weeks ago, I talked about risk and so many of you texted in that you wanted to take the risk profile and a lot of you have, and I'm going to send you the results with next steps during the course of the next week. This holiday got the best of me, but for now I must go. I must leave and you must have a wonderful weekend. And you know when I will see you. I'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye, everyone. Take care. Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.